scientific art of business? The creative side of our brain and the business side of our brain may seem like two separate entities, but they are actually interconnected and complementary. The creative side of our brain can bring fresh and innovative ideas to the table, while the business side of our brain can turn these ideas into practical and profitable solutions. By tapping into both the creative and business side of our brains, we can find a balance between risk-taking and practicality, leading to more success and fulfillment in both our personal and professional lives. I'm Katherine Lane Klein, entrepreneur and creative person, and in this podcast, we will hear success stories from people that are doing exactly that, and hopefully giving you ideas of how you can too. Hi, welcome to The Secret Art of Business. I am Katherine Lang Klein, and my guest today is Bill Balderas, and his company is Futurity, which is their tagline is create the future, and I can't wait to dig into more what that means. <laughs> um, but I asked you on today because I was looking at a little bit of your background, and I saw that you have this um, amazing data company, essentially. You work a lot with data. You um, have helped tons of people with data. Um, and yet you have um, a lot of creative going on in your background. So first, let's start talking about your business. So tell us more about future, Futurity. Yes, great. So thanks for having me. Yeah, you're right on, Futurity. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. I really love how you're connecting the art and business side of things. Uh, but at Futurity, you know, our goal is to help people drive in- actual insights from their data. You know, we live in in 2023, and everyone talks about data being the new oil. And and you know, every day, every single one of us produces a massive amount of data. And you look around, you think about all the data being produced with everything we purchase, everything we browse, every app we download. And what most organizations have trouble with is not that they don't have enough data; they have so much data that it's not useful or insightful. Yes. Um, so our mission is to take massive amounts of data, um, make it all talk to each other, because in some databases, I'm sure you are Kathy Klein, and some you're Catherine with a K, and some <laughs> I'm Bill, and some the E and the A in my last name are transposed. So so most companies don't even know how many customers or patients or donors or voters they have, because that the very fundamentals there tend to be inconsistent. So we help normalize it, then we get into one place, then we visualize it, and then we draw insights from that. And, you know, we like to work with um, regulated industries and cause-related industries. So we do a lot of work in healthcare, education. You know, we're doing work um, in issues related to the opioid epidemic, into mass transit, into literacy, into malnutrition, uh, some of the areas that maybe get overlooked because Amazon and Netflix and Spotify are the ones you think of as having data to get mm-hmm. you to you know, watch this movie or listen to this band that you didn't know about. But we think data can be applied much more broadly. No, I love that because I think, you know, we have always been told, you know, you have to get out on social media, you have to collect all this data, this data, this data but then a lot of people don't know what to do with it. So essentially, exactly. you're the you're the guy that people need to contact in order to say, I got all this stuff, what's it telling me? Exactly. And that, you know, we work with a single location startup that has a few thousand customers and we work with two Fortune 500 global brands that have literally terabytes and terabytes, they're producing ter- terabytes of data you know, constantly as well as backlog of data. So, you know, this is something that can impact um, any organization. I I really, really love that because I I do think it is really important and it is a great way to understand your customer and, you know, what what else are we doing this for? (laughs) You know, really? All right. So um, now you did not start, you know, you you did not land on this planet and start doing data. You, you know, started something much, much younger, like in your kid that, you were really, really interested in. I'm curious as to what that would be. 
Sure, sure. So yes, I was very much not the uh, not the data kid. Um, you know, as as a kid, I did a lot of writing. Was kind of my first uh, passion. So you know, I always thought I wanted to be a writer when I was a kid. Um, I was the kid that started a you know a school newspaper on his own in fifth grade, and you oh know goodness. wrote the uh, you know the class graduation poem for for graduation, and was just kind of. Uh, really got into that. That was my my biggest creative outlet. Um, and a lot of my friends were uh, music, musicians, artists. I kind of hung out with that crowd. Um, you know, I was in a band in high school and college. So that was definitely where I spent uh, most of my energy. Um, and in fact, I went to college. You know, my two majors were journalism and creative writing, a creative oh, writing minor, journalism major. Uh, so I spent most of my college career focusing on writing. And I I like to tell people, you know, I'm, I'm running this data analytics firm and I had to take a math pass fail in college because I could never have passed a, a college level math class. <laughs> so and that begs the question, how did you get from there to here? Sure. So I, I had a series of other businesses um, that I'd started more on the creative side. So I had a, a digital marketing agency in 2006 I started, which uh Today is kind of cliche, but in 2006, you know, there was no Snapchat, there was no Instagram, you know, there was no, um, there were still some early days, you know, search engines and 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 MySpace and Craigslist and stuff that we don't think of today in the digital world. But so it was in that industry very early, um, grew that business pretty rapidly, uh, exited that business, sold that business, started another business um, with the company that acquired us um, that was healthcare specific in this case doing more consulting as healthcare was going through a lot of transitions at that time, um, sold my equity in that, and then was kind of looking what I wanted to do next. And, um, you know, you mentioned Futurity in our name and our tagline, and I, I truly, I, I knew I wanted to start another business. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I found Futurity was available as a, you know, domain name and a trademark oh, name, and I rented cool. an office and I made up a tagline that was very, um, general i've always liked the 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 advice if you want to you know it's better to create the best way to predict the future is to create it so that was kind of my um my more personal mantra and i said okay i'm going to create my next business my next future what's it going to be and i met with a lot of my old clients from other businesses and i said what's what's the one thing keeping you up at night what what does your business not have a good partner for and almost every single one of them said we've got people helping us collect data no one's else helping us how to use it and i said i'm going to start a business that does that um, I have none of the skills to do those things. So fortunately, we live uh, a stone throw from one of the best universities in the country with fabulous, you know, math and statistics and data programs. So I started recruiting great talent and built the company around that need. That is great. So uh, how many employees do you have now? We have 20 employees today. Very nice. Very nice. And do you ever get to utilize those writing skills in your day to day right now? Absolutely. So I'm you know, I'm much more on the front end of the business, so I still do a lot of our new business development and a lot of our, our pitches, um, you know, working with some of our strategic accounts. And you know, those skills involved are here's a bunch of data the client gives us. We manage it. We build models around it. We can predict how customers or patients or donors are going to react. And then we need to communicate that back to a customer. Mm-hmm. And our clients are usually people like me. So they have the, you know, when we're when we're accountable to a CEO or a CMO or a CIO, they're not necessarily going to be the ones that understand the nuts and bolts deep of jargon, you know, of the data, of the models. And so me along with the rest of our account team, it's our job to take, you know, these very technical, sophisticated mathematical models and use it to say you need to target more um 
uh, working mothers in their 40s with three young children who are interested in uh, health and fitness. Right. And, and, you know, on the data side, it's a bunch of zeros and ones and graphs, but mm-hmm. you need someone who has that that writing and those communication skills to turn into something that the client can use. Cool. I find that so incredibly useful. And I am going to include your website when I do post this. So if anybody wants Great. to get a hold of you, they can do that. Um, all right. So downtime. Um, do you get to tap into that creative side still of any kind? And it doesn't have to be the writing again. It can be really, really anything because it feels like you've kind of exercised, you know, your full brain this whole time. So what do you do to kind of maintain that exercise? Sure. sure. I'm, I'm always looking for new hobbies and interests. I probably drive the people here a little crazy uh, because my, <laughs> COVID, my new hobby has been magic and mentalism. So, oh, so quite literally God. every, every Friday I'm, you know, I even have a, uh, there's a, there's a famous scene in the office where uh, Oscar is looking at Michael Scott's finances and he says, you know, there's this big bucket of your finances. You're buying stuff no one should ever buy. And it's uh, mainly professional bass uh, fishing equipment and magic sets. And those are the two things I spent my money on. But I love that quote because I, you can see by the rod behind me, if I'm not standing in the middle of the river fishing, I'm probably um, somewhere working on a, a magic or mentalism routine. So every every Friday, the team meets. We, we have lunch here. We're bringing pizza and wings. And I always started by doing a new trick. But what that forces me to do is it forces me to learn a new trick every week. Oh, <laughs> wow. I'm, yeah. You know, so so there's no, like, the accountability is there. Because if Friday comes around, I don't do a trick. People are going to wonder why I didn't do a trick. So it's, and you're doing it for very, you know, data, you know, uh, kind of uh, uh, left brain, logical people. So you got to, you know, you got to be able to, to perform. Uh, do they so mainly start trying that. to figure out how you did it at the point, you know, since they are, you know, very left brain? <laughs> exactly. Guess, Especially logic. the new people. Immediately, there, there's like, there's no sense of wonder at all. It's just, how did you do it? <laughs> like a flat, you know, so, so, uh, so it's immediately like looking for the logical explanation or, you know, immediately trying to turn into something logical, which for me is fun, you know, kind well, of. Uh, well, yeah, uh, because that, I guess just kind of fine tunes the whole thing. It's like, okay, they figured it out. So now maybe I, I got to be a little smoother with this or whatever, because it's got to really exactly. mystify them. <laughs> Exactly. And it forces them to think outside of, you know, um, kind of their comfort zone, too. It's like with the jacket, right. I should not. Right. So it forces them to like to think so. So I enjoy that. But uh, honestly, I love all kinds of goofy stuff. Right now I'm into um, Rubik's Cubes. My daughter is is she usually is the uh, impetus for my hobby. She picks up. She right. tends to pick up new hobbies very quickly and learn things fast. So she started, you know, different methods for solving different styles of Rubik's Cubes. So now her and I at night sit there and and you know, work on uh, these methods of solving Ruby's cubes. She got into juggling a few years ago. So of course I got into juggling. So, oh so there's a lot of that kind of stuff that um, I'm always tinkering. Like I said, if you can see my office, you can see my shelf is literally full of decks of, of cards and uh, kind of novelties like that. So, um, and like I everyone know, else, you know, I still yeah, think I, I have the great that, American. Yeah. Having Sorry. kids kind of help you kind of recapture a little bit of that wonderment and curiosity and things like that. That's probably incredibly true because, yeah, I've definitely done different things since I've had my daughter that I would not have normally done. But I find out that they're fun because they they do make me curious or they do – they there's just something exciting about just trying something new. And I think that's a little bit of the nature of the beast too. I find that, you know, people tend to be like, you know, that are creative, can lean towards being a serial entrepreneur but definitely a visionary. And you have definitely talked about a lot of that, just in what you were talking about there as right. far as – you know, um, my team drives me crazy. I always want to try something new, you know, things like right, that. Right. And that's definitely speaking the language of visionaries. So yeah, that's, that's really, really fun. Um, yeah. Okay. So 
Um, you get to do all that other stuff. Do you find that any of that, well, I, I, you did explain how the magic kind of works with your team. And I, I kind of like that in a way because they get to use their whole brain trying to figure out, you know, these sort of things too. But do you find that um, what you do as kind of like on the side or um, what you did in the past, like with your journalism, things like that, how has that really kind of helped your business grow? Sure. Absolutely. So one being, you know, in journalism, it's all about how do you take really complex ideas and communicate them very effectively. So we always oh, talk good. about right, the importance yes. of writing a lead in, in journalism school. Like that was just filled into your head, that first two or three sentences. So now when we're communicating with clients, it's very tempting to immediately go down to like the, the details and the finding of those first introduction and you've immediately lost your audience. So capturing your audience, that communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I tend to do a lot of uh, public speaking, um, probably not as much as I once did, but still, you know, a fair amount. And being able, again, to to communicate, you've got 50 minutes to communicate to a bunch of people that are in maybe a hotel room that's too hot or too warm and they're waiting on lunch and they're thinking about work and they're checking their emails and they just, you know, had a fight with their kid. And so, so being able to get in front of a room of, you know, 50 or 100 people and being able to communicate ideas succinctly and effectively and capture audience and bring them in. I, I think that kind of combines a little bit of both the journalism and creative writing side, but also like the mentalism and entertainment side, because you've got to, you know, have, have some kind of way to, to work with them, to, to pull them into the conversation. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then we actually developed just a random magic trick during a presentation would yeah, be. Yeah, I could do that too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of things in like magic and mentalism about, you know, repetition, you know, if you want someone to pick, the, the eight of diamonds, like repetition you're doing during it to kind of get them thinking about those cards. But it also works really well when you're presenting to clients. So you're presenting like you want to come them to get to this conclusion. So you're weaving these, you know, that in throughout the presentation. And then um, we do a training here uh, every other week with our account team. If you're familiar with the game One Night Werewolf or games like that, where you pick characters and you play characters, mm-hmm. um, we do something really similar called One Night Account Manager, where we you know, you, you kind of reach into a hat and you say, okay, your your account is a uh, VP of marketing at a tech startup and um, they want to talk to you about integrating their data. And then there's a twist that the account manager doesn't know about. So it could be that their kid has COVID or the Zoom keeps <laughs> crashing or their CEO just got, you know, fired. Or, and it's all based on stuff that really happens. So every time something happens here, we make new cards. Um, and it's how we train new folks, but it's also how we keep the, you know, veterans sharp. And so we use this, and my goal is when they talk to an account, they should never hear a situation they haven't already rehearsed with us uh, around our conference room table. Yeah, and yeah. so we just drill these scenarios. And so that way, when the senior VP of a healthcare startup says our CEO just got fired today, they've already had that conversation <laughs> and they can, you know, steer that, you know, they can already navigate yeah, yeah. That, that conversation. I really like that. That is super fun. It reminds me a little bit of um, that game Oregon Trail. I, yes. I, I know a lot of people played that when they were younger. I think it was actually a little after my time, but um, yeah, it, it's, you, you're basically in the scenario. Then suddenly, you know, somebody gets, you know, typhoid Colorado or something. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. now, now what, you know, yes. that's really, really fun. And I, that sort of thing can be super addicting too, which as, you know, as a team, that could be really, really fun. <laughs> that's right. like a thing. That's really neat. Okay, so um, with your company again, I just to kind of you know wrap this up. What would you like them to know mostly about what what would be like your 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 why or your pitch or why would people you know what's what's your your big kind of come use us because you know this is important you know a little bit of your storytelling here. 
Sure, absolutely. So we sincerely believe that data can solve the world's biggest problems. We we think that there are, you know, you have Amazon using data to sell you more shoes and you have Spotify using your data to predict what concert you want to go to. But we think data can also be used to, to uh, improve uh, availability of mass transit. We think data can be used to reduce um, opioid addiction. We think data can be used to reduce infant mortality. These are all real projects we've worked on. We think data wow. can be used to increase um, literacy among adults. We think data can fight malnutrition. You know, it's, it's all out there. We're producing the data. We're seeing these trends. Mm-hmm. We can understand when these seven things happen, a person is more likely to addicted to opioids. How do we break the chain at the four things so that that doesn't happen? These are the things that lead to um, infant mortality. How do we identify that pattern and intervene at the point and and save this baby's life? So there are, you know, our, our fundamental belief. And, and, you know, if you're a for-profit business and you want us to help you sell more lawn chairs, we'll do that. Um, but I would say probably 80% of our business right now is somehow related to, you know, health, wellness, um, environmental issues, social impact issues. And, and we think we can make a difference using data. I, I love that because it's it's got to be far more rewarding too, and I and I love that you have kind of you know stair stepped up to this. While it's not journalism and writing and things like that, you have definitely created a purposeful business that can be you know kind of game changers for people. And I, I think right now, still because it's still very much in its infancy, data is is the key to so much that people are really kind of unaware of. Um, you're kind of creating your own magic when you think about it that way. You get all this stuff, and then you there we go. You I like it. By saying, "Look at what you have!" <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> awesome. Beautiful. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And again, I'm going to have your information um, in the in the text here, and then when I post this, so people will be able to find you. But like I said, I I, I mean. I guess really no pun intended. You are kind of creating magic with information that people have and helping them direct their careers and their jobs and their companies and uh, making everything more effective by just with the information they have. So that is super, super exciting. You're so awesome. thank well, you thank so you for much. Your time. I, I really appreciate this. It was, it was great chatting with you. Great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for joining the conversation today. If you are more of a visual person, all of these podcasts are available on YouTube on the Secret Art of Business podcast. If you or someone you know is successful in running a business and utilizing their creativity to superpower it, I would love to hear more. Maybe there's someone you know that's successful and you want to hear their story. Drop me a note in the comments, and if it's a fit, we'll try and connect.